T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, y'all, welcome back. Sports Talk Saturday, hour two underway. My next guest, I would, uh, my next guest, I should say, I would not introduce him in any other way than some level of John Mayer because uh, he's be- it's been a while since my next guest has been on the show. Um, but there's a long standing tradition when Ben Baby arrives on scene at the show, he is welcomed with John Mayer, and that tradition remains alive. Ben, welcome, my friend, and uh, good afternoon to you. Thanks for joining me as always, man. Yeah, Nate, I appreciate you having me on. I'll tell you what, I never thought something like Olivia would be great bumper music, but indeed, uh, it is it is perfect coming out of a break. I will I will tell you that. Listen, as uh, as professional football talkers uh, and in your case, writers, uh, it's incredibly important to be consistent, right? People have to come to expect a certain level of professionalism when you do work, and like nothing else, when people here in Buffalo know that Ben Baby's coming on the radio, they know that when they tune in, they can expect some diverse John Mayer tunes. I'm not just going to throw the randoms, the you know, just the, like the old school John Mayer. We're going to come in with all of the deep tracks. You know what I'm saying? Like this is deep tracks only time. Hey, I, next next time I expect some like Walt Grace's submarine ride. Mm. Knowing, knowing this election, you know we could we could go some some deep 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 cuts uh, when we're talking Mr. Mayor here. But I'm sure we, the, the listeners want to hear more about that more, instead of uh, one of the greatest singer songwriters of the last 40 years. You know they, they don't. I think that's what they're more interested in. I mean, first of all, Walt Grace is like one of my jams, bro. So, like, listen, you know, one of these days, one of these days, you know, like when the Bills uh, are hosting the AFC Championship game of this year and Cincinnati comes to town, we're going to eat wings at a bar that I know has a large selection on the jukebox of John Mayer. So just just keep that in the back of your mind when that happens later on this season. Hey, that sounds that sounds like a plan to me. All right, my friend, let's get into football here. I know we could talk about John Mayer all day. We could, we could have a podcast about it. But um, what I wanted to really bring you on for, Ben, and by the way, on the Western Hotline joining me, Ben Baby, he covers the Cincinnati Bengals for ESPN, if you didn't know. And Ben, I mean, what an interesting run last year ended up being for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think the team that maybe no one really predicted outside of you know, at the time, Las Vegas, as being a team that could run the table and beat some of the teams they beat. They beat the number one seed on the road. They beat Kansas City, a team on the road that was hosting their fourth straight AFC championship game. So although it was an unlikely run, this is a team, Ben, that has gotten, I would say, significantly better in this offseason. They answered a lot of the questions that people had about their team. Are they going to be able to protect Joe Burrow? They go out, they make a bunch of moves on the offensive line. Throughout minicamp and OTAs, 
what would you say is the difference in, like, I'll use the term vibes, right? Like, what are the vibes there with a team coming off a Super Bowl appearance and a totally different level of expectations going into this year than they were last year? You know, it's interesting you say that. I think the vibes have been pretty, honestly, consistent, starting with after, I would say, the Tennessee game. I think that's when that's when you would get, um, you know, you're trying to see the vibes around the team, how the, the the confidence that they felt going into that AFC championship game, going into the Super Bowl. I think that same feeling has persisted, and it's it's been throughout the offseason. And I think believe Joe Burrow said it best after one of the games, like, this is going to be the standard now. We're not here to celebrate just one or two playoff wins. We're here to make deep runs, and that's a, probably a, a very gross paraphrase there of what Burrow said. But that's definitely the mentality that you get when you, when you talk to the team and you feel like this is a team that feels like they're in a good position now to be contenders for years to come, specifically because of Burrow at quarterback, but also when you look at the pieces that they bring back from last year, you referenced a lot of the playmakers and kind of the upgrading of the offensive line. That was the one thing that really hampered them the entire postseason, not just in the Super Bowl. They think that they've gotten a lot better on paper. They have gotten significantly better. Now we'll see if they're able to put it all together uh, in 2022. One of the things uh, Burrow kind of mentioned, and I'm thinking back to the offseason, maybe this is around draft time or free agency when they started to really make moves to to address that offensive line. You know, I think a lot of times people in the media, people that cover football, the analytics community in general, they'll point to the sacks that Burrow took last year. I mean, one of the most sacked quarterbacks in all the league last year as a detriment, right? And in the same way that those same people might look at interceptions as detriments, I'm not totally sure that where we are in the passing league anymore, that sacks and interceptions should be looked at any differently than, like, say, punts. Because a lot of those sacks on third downs, you know, Ben, aren't always the worst thing, right? Like, there's worse things that can happen than a quarterback taking on a third and ten, taking a sack. So I'm wondering, like, in the from what you've heard from Joe, and maybe maybe more so what you've heard from this coaching staff about addressing those sacks, how do you, I don't know, how, how do you spin, I guess is the right word, if you're Joe Burrow, that, yes, I take sacks, but there are worse things I could be doing on the football field than taking sacks. Like, how has the way that the analytics community and the NFL in general looked at sacks, is, is that changing a little bit now with how much teams are throwing the football? You know, it's interesting. I don't know if it's necessarily the usage of how much teams are throwing the ball, but but I think you're definitely right in that the way that sacks and interceptions have been viewed inside the building, not all of them are bad uh, because you have to look at kind of what you're looking for in a certain outcome. And, you know, I, I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about a certain stat, you know, in expected points added. Um, and you're looking at a certain, and really what EPA does, it looks at whether a play was a success in a certain situation. And I think that's, you know, you're looking at more football in a situational sense in that a lot of the metrics that we use to, to evaluate whether something was good or bad, uh, those have really changed a lot. You know, yards aren't necessarily as good as they used to be. You know, do you get, if you get, you know, 15 yards on third and 17, is that as good as getting 15 yards on third and seven? You know, not everything is created equally. And I think the same can be kind of applied to sacks and interceptions. And Burrow has talked about that a lot. You know, interceptions, uh, that definitely holds true as well, especially when Burrow was getting picked off a lot at the beginning of the year. You know, they said, oh, you know, and what was interesting, though, is that the coaching staff and Burrow said, oh, you know, 
know, yeah, we're getting a lot of interceptions, but, you know, it's not all bad or whatever. And then all of a sudden they found a way to curb those interceptions. And, you know, he didn't really throw a ton uh, throughout the last, you know, nine games of the regular season. You know, I, I think that there are going to be instances where, you know, not every sack is bad. However, you don't want to get your quarterback hit at the end of the day, no matter how you want to spin it. Yes, you know, a sack on third and, and 15 or third and 10 when you're trying to extend a play and you know you're going to either punt or, you know, you, it's either a, a completion or you're off the field. So a sack doesn't matter if you hold the ball an extra second and a half in an effort to get that first down. If it doesn't happen, you know, so be it. You get a sack. It's not the end of the world. But you are putting your quarterback at risk. I think that's one thing that you do need to consider when you're talking about, yeah, the sacks aren't that bad. Is that Technically, that's correct, but there is a, football is still a physical game. And ideally, you do not want your franchise quarterback taking a ton of punishment because right. over time, that is going to add up. So I think it's a very nuanced conversation. Uh, and we could talk about this for as long as we could talk about John Mayer, to be honest, because <laughs> I think it is such a, it's such a granular conversation that it's hard to really dig into all of it um, you know, in a short amount of time. ESPN's Ben Baby joining me here on the Western Hotline covers the Cincinnati Bengals. We're talking about that, that Bengals team, the one that lost in the Super Bowl last year. And I think another really interesting and nuanced conversation extends to the deep ball, the big play, right? And there may not have been a team that feasted on the big play more than the Cincinnati Bengals last year. Jamar Chase's rookie season, man, what a difference training camp and preseason to regular season. I, it's so crazy the, the way that Chase was being talked about right around this time of the year last year as, oh man, this guy can't hold on to the football. He's got the dropsies. Man, he's going to be a bust. And then he was one of the best receivers ever to have a, in his rookie season. So I'm wondering, like, encore campaign here how does this offense evolve so that they don't have to rely on that big play so much and, and I'm, I'm thinking of the bills in the same light because the bills had a similar evolution last year right like josh allen's runner-up mvp campaign there may not have been a more efficient thrower down the field than josh allen but we're talking about two different deep throwers in joe burrow and josh allen here so when you think about this offense knowing that teams you're gonna see way more too deep shell right like the patrick mahomes the josh the josh allen um you know, the defenses that those two have seen over the last year, year and a half, the two deep shell, welcome because you're, you're going to be joining the party in Cincinnati as well. Teams are not going to run one high against you. You're, they're going to make you earn everything underneath. How does that evolution, you know, look this year when you know that teams are going to try to take away the, the big play, which that really that offense lived off of last year? Yeah, you know, and that's something that Burrow actually talked about extensively. And anybody who uh, anybody who paid attention last year, especially in the postseason, realized that the offense really struggled in the postseason, especially when that offense. And see, going back to the offensive line conversation, I think that's more problematic than the sacks. If you know that you can't scheme a play for longer than two seconds. Uh, because your offensive line can't hold up and you're having to run a lot of quick game and you're not going to be able to run a lot of long developing routes that can really open up the field is yeah, you're not getting sacked a lot, but does that matter? Uh, Because at the end of the day, your offense is more ineffective. So I think that's part of that conversation we're talking about. Uh, But to go back to our friend, John Mayer here, uh, it's a lot like, you know, if you're going to equate the deep ball, those big home runs to his continuum album, just nothing but bangers. And you know exactly what kind of sound you're getting. (laughs) Well, the next album, you've got to evolve a little bit. You've got to change. You know, you know, everyone knows what you're going to expect, and it's going to look a little bit different. There's going to be a progression 
uh, as you evolve into what you're going to eventually become. And I think this year is going to be like that for the Bengals' offense. Yeah, you can play the hits, you can play the bangers, you can play the the daughters and the slow dancing in a burning room, so to speak, in those deep balls to Jamar Chase. But ideally, what what a great offense looks like is one that is able to do all those things and, and stretch a team vertically, but also make sure you're picking up a lot of yards in the middle of the field. And I think that's going to be the thing. Is last year the Bengals led the NFL in yards per attempt, but were 29th in plays per drive. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of, well, was it because they are a lot of explosive plays? And I would argue no, as someone who watched the team, it wasn't that they were just getting off the field so quickly at the beginning of drives. This is a team that struggled to sustain offenses. And, and Burrow knows that, the coaching staff knows that. And are and so I think that this year, when teams are going to play a lot of, uh, you know, cover two looks, take away the deep ball, they're going to have to be able to find those gaps in the middle of the field. And I think that that's going to be the same, like you said, for, for Buffalo, for Kansas City, for a lot of these teams that have been known for these explosive vertical offenses, they're going to say, can you kind of dink and dunk your way? Can you be patient enough Mm. to find those plays and go down the field? And that's going to be the next evolution for this offense. The Tom Brady, right? I mean, Tom Brady has been the most patient quarterback at his craft ever. And his ability to take exactly what the defense is giving him at nauseum is a big reason why he is as good and he's a consistent 5,000-yard thrower. Is It's not a lot of times him beating defenses over the top. It's, okay, you're going to run this? Well, I'm going to beat you with the thing I know that beats this defense over and over until you evolve, until you move out of it. And I, and I think when, I, when I'm thinking about how you know, this Bengals offense zigs while every defense looks to zag. I, I keep thinking about, you know, Hayden Hurst, and I keep thinking about Tyler Boyd, two guys that last year, you know, in Atlanta, Hayden Hurst was in a situation where that team drafted one of the best tight ends in the last 10 years in Kyle Pitts. He was phased out of that offense, but that's a former first-round pick in his own right. That move, moving away from C.J. Ozoma and bringing Hayden Hurst, a guy that will have more yards after catchability than Ozoma did last year, really interesting thought with, with the conversation you were just having. And same with Tyler Boyd. Are you expecting maybe more from Boyd and maybe a little less from T. Higgins this year, knowing that those outside throws are really going to be the priority for defenses to stop. It's funny. I literally had this conversation with somebody an hour ago. We were talking about the offense. We were just doing some stuff at our church that we're cleaning up here. Uh, and we were having this conversation. I said, honestly, this is going to be up to Boyd and Hurst to open things up for Higgins and Chase. Because like you just said, if teams are going to play two high looks, make, take away the deep ball, who's that going to open up? That's going to open up Boyd as an inside receiver working in the middle of the field, and then Hayden Hurst kind of going up and down the seams and finding those gaps between the safeties and the backers. That's how you're going to – then you're going to have to – if you can pick those routes apart, pick those gaps apart – then you're going to be able to open up the space for T. Higgins and Jamar Chase to go down the field vertically. I think you're exactly on the money. I think when you look at what this offense does well, what Boyd does well, what Hurst does well, and Hurst is definitely a fluid guy, an explosive guy. Like you said, a talent that it was a first-round pick, and you can see those traits there, You know what made him really good at South Carolina and why he was valued by Baltimore and by Atlanta, I think will fit in very well in this offense. And, and Tyler Boyd still is one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. And so I think that for the Bengals, what you said is exactly on the money in that Boyd and, and, and Hurst could be two guys who really help open things up. And whenever defense finally say, all right, you know, we can't play a lot of too high zones. We've got to maybe go play a little bit more man or play cover one. Then you're going to see them pick their shots with Jamar Chase or T. Higgins, guys that they believe can go win against anybody in the NFL. 
All right, Ben, I've got an interesting one for you. So the depth at running back this year, Joe Mixon had a big – I mean, Joe Mixon is one of those – Rare 10% running backs in the NFL that is the true workhorse back. Do you expect that to be the thing this team runs back with this year? They should have much better run-blocking offensive line power this year with the moves they've made, particularly in the interior. So are we expecting that this offense, one of their counters, we're talking about the counters, right? The ways that this Bengals offense is going to evolve to beat the two high safety looks and the two high shells they're bound to see this year based on their success they had down the field last year. Is one of those counters seeing a more efficient Joe Mixon in that efficiency conversation it, does that mean maybe he's on the field slightly less than he was last year well it's hard for him to be on the field a lot more than he was to be quite honest when you look at his usage it was one of the highest among any running backs in the NFL we actually just wrote about that and his you know what to expect out of Mixon in the passing game uh, on ESPN T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Com that story's up right now, and in that we looked at his usage rates and how high it was on first and second down and how it was flipped on third down with Samaj P. Ryan getting a lot of those third down snaps. And Mixon, I think, like you, you know, we asked the coaching staff and said, hey, can he, can he get more targets? Um, and they said basically, no, he can't. Uh, because if you're taking those targets away from, you know, do you want Mixon to get those targets instead of maybe Jamar Chase or, or T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd or Hayden Hurst? You know, those targets have to come from somewhere. And Joe's usage has been best in the running game when they've used him in the passing game sporadically. You know, I think that's been efficient. I, you know, I think they would like him. I think the, the perfect scenario in a perfect world, what you're able to do is have maybe Chris Evans – take a few more snaps, a third-string running back, a guy who kind of filled that Giovanni Bernard. Uh, you know, he wears his old number. they kind of got the same body type, do a lot of the same things at, at that position. If he can come in and maybe, you know, maybe get some spells on second down or first downs, maybe some more neutral downs and maybe use him as a guy who can be a threat in the run game or the pass game, use Mixon a little bit less and keep him fresher, I think that would be the thing to do, to be quite honest, and maybe that will help. Uh, alleviate some of Mixon's snap because that workload is really high right now. And I think as you go over time, how sustainable is that going to be, uh, you know, over the course of a 17-game season and then the playoffs, which is what the, the coaching staff is very aware of. But, you know, when you look at it, I think that, like you said, if you're going to commit to stopping the pass, that means the numbers in the box should be conducive to a good running game. When you have a guy like Mixon who can take advantage of that, he was one of the most productive running backs in the NFL last season, I think that bodes very well. So I think Mixon should have another a good year, but that usage will be something to watch, especially for those of you looking at drafting Mixon in a fantasy league. Yeah, and maybe I'm thinking of like, you know, last year, especially in the playoffs, you saw more Samaj P. Ryan, right? Like, what is the 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 situation behind Mixon? And 
if they can find someone there to step up, maybe that's the conversation we have. Well, if there's a way to get more efficiency out of Mixon, and it's by giving him less snaps, um, but being more efficient in the snaps that he does get, maybe that's because he's being pressed by another guy behind him having that efficiency. Is it Evans? Is it P. Ryan? What does that look like behind Mixon? Yeah, I think it's going to be Evans, to be quite honest. He's a guy whose ceiling is still pretty unknown. You know, a guy who was drafted last year, and or I actually believe he was either a sixth-round pick or, or yeah, I believe that was the case. It was either late in the first round or late in the draft where he was undrafted. I have to go back and check. But they really like Chris Evans and what he did. Probably do a little bit more than he did at Michigan, and he he showed that he showed that he can be a good you know route runner. Uh, you know his his depth his route depth is definitely bigger or, or it's greater than what Mixon or P. Ryan does. Those guys, when they're getting targeted, you know, on average, it's going to be behind the line of scrimmage. Evans is a guy who gets a little bit more downfield targets. So that kind of tells you how they view him when he's running routes, when he's, when he's getting the ball. And I think for him, like I said, if you can get him in on maybe first or second down, I think Samaje P. Ryan will predominantly be your third down back, a guy who they, they feel like he's a very good um, pass protector and someone who can, you know, go out and, and make a play. If you remember, he actually had probably the game-turning point in, in the AFC Championship game when the offense was doing virtually nothing. Samaje actually, you know, had a, you know, a receiving touchdown yep. and created it out of nothing, and that was really the turning point in that game, if you go back and look at it, because up until that point, it felt the Bengals just felt lifeless, and, and P. Ryan is a guy who goes, um, he goes vertically up and down the field really well. You know, he's not a guy who goes east-west a lot. He's very much a north-south guy, uh, which is good at times. Uh, but I, I think that's going to be where you're going to see Mixon probably, you know, where there is going to be some freedom, some flexibility, is that if you can get Evans in on first or second down a little bit more, that will help maybe alleviate some of that workload mm. and allow Mixon to be more effective in the snaps he gets. All right, Ben, I appreciate you, my friend. Thanks so much for being, uh, being available for us here on, a, on your Saturday. Enjoy the, uh, the dog days of summer here over the next couple of weeks and uh, looking forward to, uh, to hearing from you when the regular season starts. And uh, enjoy your summer, dude, and thanks again. Sounds good. Thanks, Nate. All right, Ben Baby there on the Wester Hotline. Always a treat to have Ben on. Uh, There is no one better that uh, beautifully intertwines the NFL and John Mayer into a conversation. I just have met, I've met nobody that can do it as eloquently as Ben. We're going to take a timeout on the other side. Alex Clancy, he is the host of Lockdown Cardinals. We're going to talk a little bit about the Kyler Murray situation, what that offense looks like without DeAndre Hopkins the first six weeks of the year. So if you're a fantasy owner, if you've got Hopkins, you've got Rondale Moore, this might be a good segment for you to get caught up on what this offense looks like early on in the season. So don't go anywhere here. Alex Clancy joining us next here on WG. All right, y'all, welcome back. Sports Talk Saturday. We are officially at the halfway mark of the show, which means we keep the most handsome, best-looking people for this part of the program. And, of course, I, I, I keep that very consistent. Alex Clancy joins me now on the West Her Hotline to talk about the Cardinals. So, first and foremost, Alex, now that you know that I, I keep this spot for the most handsome people, uh, what kind of, uh, you know, is... is is that is that pressure on you now? Do you do you feel a level of 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 pressure now that I've I've put you in this position on the show? You gauge you gauge me at this person to be at the, you know this time of the show. I mean, I feel like we should discuss that a little further. 
Listen, the halfway mark, it's a very important time in the show. You have to understand, Alex. And you've been on the and program I feel, before. I do feel happy about that. Well, that's good. That's good. That's all that matters. Listen, you've been on the program before. You know how this, this rolls. But I think more so, Alex, this is – I brought you on because, you know, I, I keep talking about being in the dog days of summer, right? And they're not a ton of stuff to talk about. We can talk about training camp battles here in Buffalo, but – we're talking about like the team with is favored to be in the Super Bowl, and there's not a lot of battles happening out there right now. I'm, I'm maybe most interested. I know you and I spoke in the spring, and you know you were very candid in your criticism of Cliff Kingsbury and how much this season really is a make or break season for him. So we'll start with Kingsbury before we get into the Kyler Murray saga, how this plays out this year, the suspension of Hopkins, how the offense looks. I, I kind of want to like press replay on some of your thoughts about Cliff Kingsbury as you head into this year and the importance of curbing the criticisms that have been about Cliff Kingsbury, which is he's a first-half guy and the second half they just fall off the table. What do you expect different this year from Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, if anything, or do you believe that there's a belief within the organization from the top at the GM, Steve Kime, and him that this is not a philosophy thing the reason the last couple of years they've taken that second half nosedive but more so there's something other at play something other at play and they're just going to stick to what they know works and try to evolve in other ways like how do you expect them to be different this year and where where would we see that maybe on the field playing out yeah it's a good framed question like last year the reason that everybody uses as to why they fell off the second half of the season was because DeAndre Hopkins got hurt and there's a couple of ways you can look at that. One, sure, you can play that, absolutely, because he's, in my opinion, still a top-five wide receiver in the league. You can play that, or you can play it as, well, this roster wasn't constructed to withstand one player getting injured, or two, Cliff Kingsbury didn't know how to run an offense without DeAndre Hopkins. Um, or three, you can blame it on Kyler Murray. You can blame it on a whole bunch of stuff, which is what a lot of fans are doing right now. What we're going to see this year is either Cliff Kingsbury's offense with him running it is going to work or it's not because I think they have all the offensive players in the NFL now on their roster. And I think they have everybody. <laughs> so at this point, if they don't put up, you know, pushing 27, 28, 30 points a game and they win like seven games, this is going to be the bigger, the bigger question issue. The issue I had when he got the contract, which is where I really hit home last time I was with you was I just didn't understand why it was necessary like a lame duck head coach i don't know when that became a bad thing make him earn a second contract mm. and when they saw 11 wins last year i guess that was enough and it proved that Steve kind was right he loves to show everybody that he's right by giving people contract extensions and bidwell is just you know uh, an extension of him so what 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 we could see this year is the coming out party of cliff kingsbury being one of the best young coaches in the nfl 100 percent, we could with Trey McBride, and they traded for Hollywood Brown. Uh, Kyler Murray obviously calling the plays, but if it doesn't work, then maximum on here, we're going to have some very uncomfortable conversations. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, let, let's let's maybe shine the light back on Steve Kime, who over the last couple of years has had some draft picks, particularly at the linebacker position, that a lot of people scratch their heads at, right? This is a team that, you know, I think is desperate for some help at the outside corner position, but it's linebacker, linebacker, linebackers, Evan Collins and then uh, Simmons the year before. What does that look like this year? Are those two guys going to be mainstays on the starting 11, or are we to see other guys rolling in and those guys be more like sub-package players? Because I'm not sure you can really justify two first-round picks being role players, essentially. Yeah. Um, you know, if both those guys take 
a huge step forward, we're talking about a completely different organization. Like, because that's mm. the the guts of the defense inside linebackers. Two guys that the, their makeup physically, two guys standing next to each other on a field has never happened in the history of the NFL. Like, they're tall, they're wide. Like, it's just it, it just hasn't happened. But if they can take a step forward, and Vance Joseph is one of the better D coordinators in elevating talent. We saw it in 2020. Chandler Jones goes down. The pass rush gets better. Um, Marcus Golden, he got Hassan Reddick paid. I mean, Hassan Reddick had a monster year in 2020 when Chandler Jones went down. Um, you know, if those guys can take a step forward, we've seen this from Isaiah Simmons. The dude hits really hard. Like the dude is an absolute. He was. People say he's built in a lab. I don't use cliche a lot, but he 100% was. And if he can take that big step forward, if Damon Collins can stay healthy, he's going to see the field more because he has to. I mean, Jordan Hicks is gone. They haven't had a whole. They haven't added a whole lot of linebacker help this offseason, I think that's the plan and that's the forced plan on Vance Joseph because they haven't done anything otherwise mm. to really substantiate that position on the field. Yeah, and that's a defense too. I mean, you talk about Vance Joseph. That's a defense that has the scheme that I think does have the players to be a good defense. It just has not materialized. They have not gotten the return on investment um, on some of those picks. But I think on the offensive side, you know, you're talking about Trey McBride adding. That's a really interesting tight end room and an offense that really doesn't overly utilize the tight end position. So now with Ertz and you look at uh, McBride there, they re-sign Ertz, which I think was interesting, and then they, they, tr- they draft McBride. So what is that offense? So let's just get into the offensive side of this thing, Alex. Like, when you consider the fact that this offense is going to be without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six weeks of the year, what does this look like? I mean, Marquise Brown, is he just going to be a guy that is the downfield threat? And maybe this is more or less a Rondale Moore question. Where does he fit into this whole equation? And how much different does it look when DeAndre Hopkins is back? I mean... I think it's a raw lump of dough right now, and they're going to figure it out. You know, like it's because the thing because there's a couple different ways that they can go. One, Hollywood Brown's going to just supplant DeAndre Hopkins as a wide receiver one, and then you're going to have two battling wide receiver ones when DeAndre Hopkins comes back. That's the ideal scenario. Trey McBride may be a year away. He's a great blocking guy. He's got the George Kittle comp. I wasn't exactly thrilled about the Zacherts contract initially, but you know what? He can play every position. You know, he's not a traditional. He's more of like a – He's more of a, of a Kelsey than a Max Williams, who was the only other tight end they had on the roster. Trey McBride, the interesting, like, we can talk about that draft pick forever, but, like, overall with Rondo. So here's the thing. With Rondo Moore and Hollywood Brown, they're not the same player. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But the misuse of Rondo Moore last year makes me worried about the usage of Hollywood Brown this year. And with Hollywood mm. Brown, like, we don't know. Like, I've, I've had a, a guy from, you know, Lockton Ravens I, that I would talk to that is he, he – was so back and forth with Hollywood Brown because when he's great, he's really good. Yeah. And he had like three or four drops that were around the end zone that would have been touchdowns last year. So he's never had this volume. If he has 70 catches, 1,400 yards, and 10 touchdowns, you won't be shocked. But they traded a first-round pick for him, so there's more pressure to get him the ball early, which could lead to other problems. The bottom line is they've got some of the best young talent on the offensive side of the ball, and it's got to work. It has to work this year. And if it doesn't, again, uncomfortable conversations are coming. Yeah, and like I think the Rondell Moore misuse last year, 
hearing some of the some of the comments that were made by Cliff Kingsbury during OTAs and and some of the quotes I was seeing is like that that's a guy Rondell Moore that came into minicamp looking to make an impact on this offense and then they make the trade for Marquise Brown and then I wonder like okay when you're in three wide receiver sets Rondell Moore should still be on the field but you just talked about Ertz not being that traditional guy like if you're in a three wide set are you of the mind that like that should always be Rondell Moore because that's a guy that can create the mismatches you're looking for? Or are you of the mind that like, well, you know, I actually like the mismatch opportunity that you have with Zach Ertz on the field in that situation? Like, I think that there's a world where those both those ideologies collide and then you end up having a more efficient looking offense, but I've got to think that the upside for Moore is significantly more than the upside that Zach Ertz gives you, especially like at this point in his career. Yeah, for sure. No, no, that's that's fair. But we've seen it from Earth, and we haven't seen it from Moore. Like you just defined the positive side of what they've done this offseason. There should be one and a half mismatches every time Kyler Murray hikes the ball. Mm. That's what they're hoping for. And you find out you target the third corner, or maybe a linebacker backer that's flanked out against against Rondo Moore in the slot, or Hollywood Brown in the slot, or Zach Ertz in the slot, or Trey McBride in the slot. Like this is going to be a the X Y Z thing. Ain't really going to matter with the players they have on the field. So that's the whole thing about the amount of players that they've added to the offense. It's the, it's the, um, the picturesque Steve Kime over correction where, okay, we drafted a, a linebacker in the first two rounds. You, you, uh, you were upset about that. Here are all the offensive players in the draft. Go do what you got to do. You know, and like yeah. that's, th- that's where we're at. And they completely negated the rest, of, the rest of the thing. I do want to say one last thing about the defense before we move back because mm-hmm. this is something that you and I can revisit. Um, this is – I've gotten a lot of flack this. I don't really know why. If the Cardinals do not take a step forward or do not stand pat, say they win nine games or something and miss the playoffs, Vance Joseph is going to be the scapegoat. And it's set up perfectly, and nobody's looking at it. It's complete misdirection. Vance Joseph, that defense has taken a, I'm not going to say a big step back, because they've still got, you know, they still got Buda Baker, J.J. Walker, leadership up front. You know, Marcus Golden is one of the unsung heroes there. Um, you saw him in New York for a little bit for a different team. Um, but if the offense scores points, and the defense can't stop anybody, and the Cardinals lose games because of that, Vance Joseph is playing, is coaching with one hand tied behind his back. They lost Chandler Jones and did nothing. They, they didn't bring in another corner. Yeah. So it's like that's, that's where we are with the draft of not drafting somebody of need in the first round and then drafting somebody they definitely didn't need in the second round. Vance Joseph could be looked at as the scapegoat if this doesn't go well in 2022. Alex Clancy here of Locked On Cardinals uh, on the Western Hotline. Let's talk about the man of the hour. Let's talk about Kyler Murray, who did end up showing up to mandatory minicamp. But this is a player right now. If you're talking about the pressure that exists on Cliff Kingsbury, this has not all of the Baker Mayfield feels going into year four where I'm going to bet on myself. Well, kind of. I mean, uh, Kyler's been very clear that he wants his new contract now. And that's probably what Baker Mayfield should have demanded last year going into last year. And then he plays injured and then they move on and they pay $230 million guaranteed to a guy that's probably not going to play a snap for him this year. Good for the, good for the Browns, I guess. Um, But like when you think about this Kyler Murray situation, how has it rubbed fans? Because I think it could come off two ways, right? Like, okay, we love Kyler. We think Cliff Kingsbury's the problem. Pay the man because we want him here long term. Who cares what happens with Cliff Kingsbury? This guy's going to transcend whoever the coach is. Or is it, man, this guy hasn't won a playoff game and he's had three or two really tough second half season drop offs. I don't know what he's sitting here demanding, but we're not ready to just, you know, hand the keys to this franchise over to a guy that, you know, pulled himself out of a playoff game. 
all this does is act as confirmation bias for whoever, whatever side of the aisle. Yeah, right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So, okay, yeah. so, yeah, no, without Kyler Murray, none of this would have been here. Pay him. Or he's a whiny baby. He's not a good leader. Don't pay him. Nothing's changed. The fan base is complete. The amount of vitriol against Kyler Murray in favor of the front office of an organization that's legitimately one of the worst organizations winning-wise in the history of the sport. I, that's what I don't really understand. Kyler Murray is the first young, great quarterback that this organization has ever seen. And I don't understand why people aren't. And sure, maybe I'm a little jaded towards Kyler because I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is the guy. Um, and listen, Kyler Murray is not a perfect quarterback. Kyler Murray is probably not a top 10 quarterback in the NFL right now with the emergence of Justin Herbert and others. But would you rather have – look around the NFL. How many teams would be calling – for three first-round picks and two players for Kyler Murray yesterday if you were to be put up for a trade. That should be enough. If you don't have a quarterback, you're never going to win. Right. He's not perfect, and he's got a lot of issues that he's still working out. He's a young quarterback. This is what I implore people to, when, when we're talking about this. Don't compare him to anybody else. Don't compare him to Justin Herbert. Don't compare him to Josh Allen. Don't compare him to Patrick Mahomes. They broke the code of what young quarterbacks are supposed to go through. Mm. And it's just like, it's the potency of, you know, like the new wide receivers coming in that are ready to ball out. Jamar Chase ruined it for young wide receivers. It's like, well, he can do it. <laughs> he didn't even have an offensive line. Why can't you do it? You don't deserve money. It's like, that's, you got to look at just Kyler Murray in a vacuum in this organization. They desperately need him a lot more than he needs them. And I, and I don't mm. understand why that's not understood more. Yeah, so I think I, they should pay him for sure. Just pay him. I, I, I think I agree with you. Um, but, I mean, having said that, like, there is this sense that, I mean, the vibes after week nine, I mean, were st- sky high, man. I mean, everyone's thinking this is the Super Bowl favorite. Kyler Murray's the MVP favorite. This is a shoe-in. They're going to win this year. And then that second half drop happens, and I think a lot of people change their tune. Part of the changing of the tune, though, is maybe less about what the Cardinals did and what everyone else in the NFC did around them in that situation, right? Like, you have San Francisco taking that second half run. Obviously, the Rams win the Super Bowl, and Matt Stafford has this renaissance-type season. He gets his big contract extension this offseason. McVay and Aaron Donald, and it's, it's blessings in Los Angeles. And I think more of this probably are our frustrations around what the other teams in the division did in the second half of the season when all of the spotlight and listen I mean coming from a Bills guy coming from the city of Buffalo where the last two years the attention has sort of been on Buffalo it's kind of a weird place to be you like it you've been such an enigma in the league for so long and so under talked about and underappreciated for the last 20 years, right, if you're Buffalo. Arizona's kind of like that. They went to a Super Bowl, right? They lost the Kurt Warner. I mean, that was one of the greatest Super Bowls ever played. But short of that one sort of little window, Arizona and Buffalo have been sort of the same franchises, just on opposite sides of the, of the country. And I think people in Arizona, I mean, this is just an outsider looking in, but like, It felt like a lot of people with the vibes that I was just talking about, right? Like everyone was like really excited about being the center of attention, the last undefeated team left in the in 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 the league, and then for that, all those good vibes to sort of get washed away by watching what guys, other teams in the division were doing, and then their own struggles. Like that's got to be a hard thing to cope with if you're a Cardinals fan, because what you're looking to do is find somebody to blame, right? Yeah, for sure. And I appreciate you rehashing all of that. It's such uh, with such. you know, detail. I do appreciate that. I hadn't thought about that. And well, no, like, cause like the Rams clinched the division. They clinched a playoff spot for the Cardinals when the Cardinals started 10 and two, that's all that really needs to be said. The Super Bowl, listen, 
the Rams were a cover zero bad defensive call away from not winning that game against Tampa Bay. <laughs> That's a fact. But Todd Bowles like, you know what? This is what I do, so this is what I'm going to do. Oh, Cooper comes on the other side. I forgot. So, but the, the yes, everything you just said is true. The differentiation between the two is Sean McDermott and Brandon Breen being brought in an infusion of stability that the Cardinals have not. Mm. Like, it, the Bills, and I got in arguments with Bills fans because I was defending, that's what I was saying. I was like, Josh Allen and, jo- and uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson went to three of the most stable organizations in the NFL. It's not the same as, as where Kyler Murray went. And Bills, uh, I had a Bills fan respond like, well, look at the history. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm talking about Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. They completely changed everything. And it wasn't obviously smooth right in the beginning. Josh Allen at seven, I'm sure you weren't super excited about when he got drafted, but then it's like, oh, I'm starting to see the big picture here. And I think that Kyler Murray this year, maybe a year behind where Josh Allen was, but I feel like this year is going to be the year for Kyler Murray. And I think that after week nine and, you know, when they went 10-2, when they lost to the Lions on the road, when they needed a win, just like, okay, things are different here. I think that is institutional. I think that's head coaching. I think that's GM not putting together a 1-53 to roster that's deep enough to withstand the rigors of the NFL. And listen, if, if Kyler Murray takes a step back this year, I'll eat my shorts. But <laughs> at this point, I still think his wings are being clipped by the head coach and the front office and his agent, for that matter. Alex, tell the folks where they can find you your stuff on Twitter. Tell them what we what you guys got going on for Lockdown Cardinals if they want to tune in. I, listen, the one thing I'll say about Bills fans is they are very interested in consuming content all across the league. They love their Bills, but they love the NFL. So if you tell them where to find you, I'm sure you can expect a couple of Bills fan followers. All right. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Lockdown Easy Cards. Monday through Friday, 25-minute podcast surrounding the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I've got some big guests throughout the, uh, throughout the summer. I've been rolling deep. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun summer as we get into camp. Awesome, bro. Thanks again. I appreciate your time. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the rest of your offseason, and we'll, uh, we'll chat again soon. You got it, Nate. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Alex Clancy there of Locked on Cardinals. Taking a timeout. Get another timeout in. We've got Matt Verderam. He's basically a regular on the show now, fan-sided. We're going to talk to him about – got to bring some Knicks up. He's a Knicks fan. I'm a Knicks fan. We're going to talk about their – Whatever you want to call what happened on draft night the other night. We're going to talk a little bit about the AFC playoff picture. Whole nine. So we're going to get a little bit more of a national perspective. That's Matt Verderam. He's coming up at 1 o'clock here on WGR. All right, folks. Oh, gosh. One of my buddies, Mark Smith. Well, I guess I can't really call him a buddy. We don't hang out, but he's just—he's a follower. He's a uh, a friend of the Rockpile Report podcast. Uh, he just posted on Twitter um, a little Caesar's pizza with uh, some twisted tea. And if I haven't seen a bigger cry for help, I mean that is it right there. Like I'm—I'm going to tweet at him and, and check in on him to make sure he's okay um, because. That's a cry for help last time I checked. It's hot. I get it. But Little Caesars, come on. Matt Verderam of Fanside is going to join us next. We're going to talk about the Knicks. We're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about the NFL, what's to come, uh, what the AFC looks like, what the landscape looks like, and, and maybe some dark horse worst to first candidates in the AFC. So all that's coming up next here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.